I'm very pleased this morning to welcome Chris Rosie, uh, who will lead our service. Chris is in the last lap of his training. He's doing the postgraduate diploma at the Baptist College. And we're delighted to have you with us, Chris and Pauline. Also a warm welcome to any visitors we have. We hope you'll join us for tea and coffee at the end of the service. Well, good morning. It's, it's great to be back here at Hillhead. We were here about a month ago now just to, to see how you work things out here at, at, Hill, at Hillhead. It was, a, it was a, great, a great morning that we had. I've had a great start to my day already. I've had a cup of tea, so I'm raring, raring to go. So why don't we just uh, take a moment just to pray before we go into our first uh, piece of worship this morning. Yeah, dear Father, we just thank you that uh, we can call out to you in the desert, that you are a light for us in the darkness, that regardless of where we've been over the coming day, the last few days, you have always been with us. Your faithfulness to us is never ending. So Lord, help just to place our hearts in your hand as we just come and bow and worship the King of Kings. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I would just like to use a prayer of Thomas Akempis just to help us enter into our uh, approach as we come before the Lord. Grant us, Lord, to know that which is worth knowing, to love that which is worth loving, to praise what delights delights you most to hate that which in your sight is unworthy to prize what to you is precious and above all to search out and do what is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ our Lord Amen Amen. Amen. Psalm 126 a song of the returning exiles Together, let us listen for the word of God. When Yahweh brought Zion's captives home, at first, it seemed like a dream. Then our mouths were were filled with laughter and our lips with song. Even the pagans started talking about the marvels that Yahweh had done for us. What marvels indeed he had done for us. And how overjoyed we were. Yahweh, bring all our captives back again, like torrents in the Nageb. Those who went sowing in tears... Now sing as they reap. They went away, went away weeping, carrying the seed. They come back, come back singing, carrying their sheaves. Well, it's great to be here uh, this morning to to share something from God's Word uh, with you. Um, My understanding uh, is that you've been doing a series of 
on prayer, looking at prayer from various uh, different, different angles. Prayer is one of those topics that, personally, I always feel I never seem to quite grasp fully. There's always more to learn about prayer. There's always a deeper place to go with God in prayer. So just looking at uh, some of the topics that you've been looking at, it's been been fascinating. You've looked at prayer from the perspective of a place setting, a time setting, and I believe last week a safety setting. And this, this, this week, today, we're going to look at prayer from the perspective of volume setting. And hopefully the psalm that we've read there, I love, I love the psalms, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, six verses just packed full of, oh, you could, I think you could spend a day just meditating on one of the verses, let alone all six. But hopefully it will shed some light for us on this topic of prayer and what it means in terms of a volume setting. But before we get into the text itself, I just wanted to make two observations about the psalm itself before we begin. And the first observation, and I quite like the translation that you you used. I've not heard it said that way. The the Bible I'm using, the NIV, it just calls calls the psalm a song of ascents. And I think it was the returning, returning exiles. It's a song that pilgrims would sing when they went up to Jerusalem. Uh, when they went to the temple to celebrate one of the big festivals. Maybe it was the Passover, maybe been the Feast of Tabernacles. But it was a, a psalm that was associated with a going up to, to meet God. But the second thing that's really interesting about this psalm is that it's a lament. Now a lament is not necessarily something you'd associate with celebration, a time of celebration. You know, why would you be wanting to sing a psalm of lament now as you go up to the temple as the people of God. For some of the pilgrims, this might have been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They've maybe traveled hundreds of miles across the then-known world to get to Jerusalem. I would imagine they wanted to celebrate going up to the temple. But here in this series of Psalms, we have this lament. And I actually find that quite refreshing. I don't know about you. Because there are times when we gather together as the people of God where sometimes I just don't want to celebrate. Maybe the week's not been that great and the last thing I really want to do is to be jumping around celebrating. I have the real privilege of working with guys in my home church at Queen's Park um, who come from a background of homelessness uh, and with that all the problems that go with that drug addiction, mental health issues uh, broken families and sometimes those guys the last thing they want to hear is it's just a time to celebrate sometimes they need to be able to express their pain and their loss So what does this psalm teach us about prayer? And what does it teach us in relation to prayer as a volume setting? 
Well, I think the first thing it teaches us is that the volume setting isn't like a knob on your stereo which you turn up high to low or low to high. It's not like that. It's not to say there aren't times where it's appropriate to be quiet before the Lord, to turn the volume down, to seek the Lord's voice. And of course, there are also times when you want to rev that volume up and you you do want to celebrate God's goodness, declaring his love for us, our love for him. But I don't think that's what this psalm is teaching us. So what is the volume setting? Well, I think it wants, I think the psalm tries to picture the volume setting, not so much as the volume dial on your stereo, but like the equalizer setting on your stereo. The setting that determines what kind of beat do you want to give the sound that comes out of your stereo. And in the same sense, what type of beat do do you want your prayers to make as you offer them up to God? And I think in this psalm, we see two beats. We see two settings. And the first of these settings is the thanksgiving setting. That's the type of beat that that gives. Let's read read those three verses, three opening verses again. I'm reading from the NIV, so my translation will be slightly different to what we heard before. But it says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. In this setting, there is a looking back remembering the good that God has done. The first two verses there powerfully capture the sheer amazement, the excitement of what God has done for them. We maybe miss it. What a big miracle it was for God's people to return from exile. It wasn't just something that was expected, although it had been prophesied. And you get the, the idea that at times the Israelites themselves were a bit dumbstruck by the magnitude of the turnaround in their fortunes. They were like men who dreamed returning to back home to Jerusalem. That was, that was a pipe dream. It's only in God's economy that that could happen, that they could return back home. Even the nations themselves are astounded by what God had done for them. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Wow. And of course, verse 3 is just filled with joy. The Lord has filled, uh, sorry, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Now, for me, if the psalm stopped at verse 3, That would be quite nice, actually. It would make sense as a song of ascent, a song of celebration, of going up to the temple to uh, celebrate what God had had done. But it doesn't. Sam goes on. 
and it goes off in a completely different direction. It's as if almost it could have been written by two different people. It goes off in such a different direction. And what we see in those last three verses is a new volume setting. And that setting is one of expectancy. Read again those three verses. Again, I'm reading from the NIV. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. You can almost hear the pain in those words. Like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And you just get the idea with these three verses that something isn't quite right. And for the Israelites, that's true. Something isn't quite right. Yes, they'd been restored to their homeland. Yes, the temple had been rebuilt. But they're not totally free. They find themselves ruled under a succession of different pagan rulers. Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. They're not that powerful, independent state they long to be, where they maybe dreamed of having a kingdom like David had or Solomon. They're not there. Hopes and dreams still are unanswered. And that's what I think the second part of the psalm tries to express. And maybe you too can relate to that frustration. Maybe you have prayers, sent up prayers to God. You have hopes, you have dreams, and they've gone unanswered. And that's the thing with prayer. It's mysterious. It would be great if it was just simply ask God and God answers. And there is a bit of truth in that. If we don't ask, then you know, we'll seek God. But it's not as simple as that. We've probably all had real heartfelt prayers. Prayers that we knew were, this is a good thing. But they've gone unanswered. For whatever reason, they've just not happened. Pete Gregg, in his book on prayer, God on Mute. Which it's a really good, honest book to read on prayer if, you, if, you ever, if you're looking for a book to read on the topic. He says this. But the brutal fact of the matter is that while most of us pray, prayer doesn't always seem to work and it's not not easy to be honest about this. In these cases, it would be easy just to give up. God doesn't care. Prayer doesn't work. Why bother? But the Psalm's answer is not to give up but to keep that expectancy in your heart. Keep believing that God will act again like he did before. Like it says in verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord. That's a real heart cry to God. 
Come, God. Come and act. We have those two parts in the psalm where it says, like streams in the Negev, or those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And it's really like a picture there that the psalmist is like, I don't care if you act, Lord, like like the sudden floods that come and transform the drought. I don't care if it's the sowing and reaping that takes hard work and toil. Just come and work, Lord. Come and act again. And of course, the Psalms are very good at doing it. You know, they expressed that depth of pain. The tears and weeping. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaths with him. There is that depth of pain. The Psalms, if anything, are honest. But this is the good news. is that pain will be transformed into songs of joy again. So that leaves us, I think, with one final question. Why put these two different settings together? Why start with thanksgiving and then have expectancy? And I think it's because they're meant to be played together. They're not meant to be apart. If thanksgiving is a looking back and expectancy a looking forward, then the two need to go together. If we look back too much, we can rest on our laurels. Fail to realize how much more God still has to give. And we need that expectancy to reinvigorate our faith, to keep us moving forward. But the other danger is, if we only look forward, we might forget what God has done. Frustrated maybe that we don't see God acting anymore. So we need thanksgiving, remembering what God has done in the past to strengthen our faith in the present, to give us that determination to keep looking and searching for God. So my hope today is that as I, uh, as I finish is that as you go to pray, that you would intertwine these two settings, thanksgiving and expectancy. And so that you'd find in your prayer life your faith reaching new depths, that you will remember the good that God has done and continues to do for us, and that you'd have that expectancy in your heart that God will act again. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Amen. As we come to just to spend some time just praying for others, praying for our, for our world, I'm just reminded of, I, sort of, I suppose, a few things that have been in the news, I suppose, in my mind over the last few days. We've just had the, the Baptist Assembly over the last few days. And it would be good to remember our leaders as they're making key decisions 
about our union together, our family together of churches. I'm reminded as well of this Jimmy Savile scandal that just seems to keep growing arms and legs. And for many people, the terrible distress and memories that this must bring up for them. Things that have happened decades ago, but now are being trowled up once more. And maybe even for people who have suffered abuse, not related to this case, but where it's constantly there before them, that they would know God's comfort in this time. The world just seems to be in such a mess at the moment. We think of the the Middle East, Syria, Iran, Afghanistan. It just seems like a powder keg at the moment, doesn't it? We would hope that the Lord would just bring peace to that region. And of course, over in the States, they're about to be battered by two, two massive storms. And an election to think of. Yeah, they like to keep that quiet, don't they? Yeah. So why don't we just take a moment, just in the quiet, just to pray for these things. And maybe there are other things that come to your own minds. Other people specifically that maybe come to your minds. Let me share with you this small prayer. As we think of others. Hold them with your powerful hand and show us how we may be your hands and how even our weakness may be a conduit for your strength. Let us, let us pray. Yeah. Yeah, dear Father, our world just seems to be in chaos across the world at this time. We pray, Lord, that your peace would reign across the world. That, yeah, Syria, Iran, Turkey seems to be getting dragged into things. Afghanistan, Pakistan. The world just seems to be on a powder keg at the moment. And Lord, if we ever needed to know your peace in our world, it is at this time. And Lord, we pray too for victims of abuse whether it's related to this uh, Savile case or elsewhere Lord that they would know the love of their heavenly father that they would find peace again with you, that they would find comfort with you, that they would possibly reach out and just find help wherever it may be placed for them and Lord we pray for the states at this time Yeah, we just pray, Lord, that, uh, yeah, just for the people who are maybe frightened, physically frightened of uh, the storms that are about to batter their homeland, fears of loss, of possessions and of family, we just ask, Lord, that again, that your peace and your comfort would go with them. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that we do have a God who is bigger than any problem that the world can throw at us. And we just seek your face, Lord, in all these things. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. May you be strong to grasp with all God's people.
What is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ? And to know it, though it is beyond knowledge, so you may attain to fullness of being, the fullness of God himself. Amen.